So we've already discussed here on the channel how Apple transitioning to its own made ARM processors is going to be huge for enterprise users and consumers, but what does it mean for developers? Stick around. Hey everyone, welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Julia Beauchamp and I'm here with InfoWorld senior writer Sardar Yegulalp. And Sardar, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. And I, this is huge news, right? I mean, the fact that Apple is ditching Intel after years and years of using Intel processors is really big news. And like I mentioned, we've sort of covered the gravity of the situation and how it applies to you know your everyday user. But I'm curious, can you tell me why this is so huge in the developer community? First of all, it's going to mean a certain amount of work for developers at the very least. It means that if they want their applications to work as best they can with uh, Apple's new ARM silicon, it means their apps are going to have to be recompiled and they're going to have to take on the responsibility of doing that themselves. And that may not be the worst thing in the world, and I'll go into some detail about that a little later. Um, but that is the first and most important thing that it means for them. It means that they have to sit down with the apps that they have and put them through the next version of whatever um, Apple's uh, new tool chain is going to be. It's probably just going to be another version of Xcode, which they are already familiar with. I doubt there's going to be anything too jarring there. But the main problem that will, that some developers will have is if they don't have the time or the luxury of recompiling, uh, what options do they have? And the short version is that Apple's going to be offering them an integrated emulation system called Rosetta 2. This is um, a successor to an earlier system also called Rosetta. And what this does is it allows ARM-based Macs to run Intel code natively. The apps do not have to be recompiled. And earlier um, in the mid-2000s, when Apple switched from PowerPC to Intel, they had Rosetta then to allow PowerPCs to run uh, Intel software. Um, but Apple was not confident that the performance would be completely up to snuff. They ran just not well. Um, but they're more confident now, or so they say, that the newer emulation that they have will not be anywhere nearly as, as uh, challenging for bigger applications, especially since the bigger applications are the ones that will take more time to be reworked. And so they will be the ones that will almost certainly be running an emulation first. So this transition was obviously years and years in the making. I mean, it was rumored well before its official announcement at WWDC in June. But I'm wondering, how could have developers prepared for this transition before it was officially announced? Could they prepare? And what are they doing or what should they be doing now to make sure that their apps are, you know, up to snuff for the ARM-based Macs that are going to be, I think, begin to be rolled out possibly at the end of this year? Before I answer that, I just want to clarify something I said earlier um, about the emulation system, because I think I may have accidentally reversed a couple of points. Um, what Rosetta allowed people to do was run PowerPC apps on Intel. Um, and again, with a, with a possible performance hit. And here it's the reverse. They're running Intel apps on PowerPC, but allegedly without as much of a hit. Now, as far as what developers could have been doing to prepare for all of this, honestly, um, Word has been in the wind about this as far back as 2018, you know, depending on how wide your ears were open. There were, there were folks uh, with deep roots in the Apple community who was saying, Apple is going to ditch Intel processors entirely by 2020. And there was some precedent for this, of course, as you know, there was the PowerPC to Intel transition to begin with. And all of this actually also stems from things that have only recently come to light about Apple's long-term ambitions. Last year, there were some interesting documents leaked from, from within Apple 
dating back to 1989 about something called Project Scorpius. And the idea was it was uh, a custom silicon that would be used to allow strategic advantages for Apple-made machines. The problem was that at the time, Apple was simply not a big enough company and did not have the clout that it does today to, to pull off something like that. And so the idea was shelved. Now, when Apple broke away from uh, IBM and Motorola to, uh, to switch to Intel, there were, there were very good reasons for this. They were getting frustrated with Intel. And a lot of developers, I think, were sharing the same frustration because um, Intel's processors were running at, were running below three gigahertz on the desktop and they weren't, they, sorry, Motorola processors were running below three gigahertz for the desktop. And the, um, the mobile versions of Motorola's processors couldn't be scaled down effectively to take advantage of lower voltages. And so Intel was offering them all of these things and that's why they switched. And now Intel has turned into the liability. So uh, developers have been eyeing all of this and saying, oh, we sense a change in the wind. And sure enough, you know, two years ago, the rumors started flying and now it's all true. There is going to be this massive change and it, they will probably have, you know, a certain open-ended amount of time to deal with it. You know, there's having the emulation layer in place will give them, will give them a certain buffer, but the, the pressure will be on for them to recompile everything. So now that developers have been handed the kit, what sort of challenges or changes are, have they been encountering or should they expect to encounter? And I'm really curious about what sort of some of these higher level differences and changes are going to be for developers, you know, making sure that your apps now can run on Apple Silicon as opposed to Intel chips. And the main thing, again, is that they're going to be given a new version of Apple's development uh, tool chain, which is Xcode. And for most applications, mo most of the day-to-day -day type stuff, um, those apps tend to be written at a higher enough level that the transition should not be terribly jarring. You know, there may be individual things that need some attention. For the most part, they should, they should recompile as is. That's the hope anyway. Um, what's again, the big issue is when you have an application, the size of say the Adobe suite or Microsoft office, we have something really big and really sprawling with lots of components. Um, one of the ideas that I've heard druided is that you could have a, a direct transpiler that you could, instead of running an emulation, you could have something that would be, um, decompiled and recompiled. But I think, I think Rosetta is going to take care of that. If that's not, if that isn't in fact what Rosetta two turns out to be, um, but I think also what, what devs really um, want to be able to have um, at this stage is development hardware that's cheap enough that they will be able to make this transition, that they can buy a reasonably inexpensive ARM machine uh, running the new Mac OS, and that they can do their transition work on that machine without having to shell, without having to shell out thousands of dollars, um, especially if, they, they did not, if they've already made an upgrade relatively recently and they're still smarting from that. Um, Another thing I'm thinking is, is going to be off the table for developers completely, uh, at least for the near future, is the possibility of dual booting these new machines. Because one of the advantages of the Intel Macs was that you could dual boot them between Mac OS and Windows. And for people who are developing on both OSs or who are forced to use both OSs for whatever reason, this was a big boon. With ARM, the only way to really do that is to run an emulation, basically to run a virtual machine with Windows in it, or and this seems deeply unlikely to me, to have a version of Windows on ARM delivered that runs specifically on the new ARM-powered Macs. Windows on ARM itself is a reality now. That's, that's started to come together very quickly in the last few months. Um, but this specific flavor of ARM may not necessarily be something that Windows supports. So that, that is almost certainly going to be something that people are going to have to do through a VM. So 
Apple Silicon, like we sort of already gone over and like I've gone over in previous videos with Ken and Mike, it's, it's huge for a variety of reasons. And the, what it basically means, especially as, you know, a 3,000 foot or umbrella view is Apple is now contr in control of a lot more of its ecosystem. So when it comes to software development, is there going to be now sort of increased, I guess, synergy as a buzzword between Mac OS and iOS or iPad OS? And the short answer is there already is, and it's by with uh, Mac Catalyst, which allows you to write applications that um, run that much more uh, readily on both platforms. Like for instance, one of the problems of writing um, a Mac application and trying to port it to iOS or vice versa is that you have to take into account the way that touch behaviors work in, in both environments or don't work. You know, when you have in one case where you want to substitute mouse for touch or vice versa, and you have to do all of this manual fiddling, Catalyst makes that sort of thing easier. So the idea is that you can write more apps that will be deployable that much more readily across both platforms at the same time. Um, and that's a huge boon for people who have always had to choose one or the other. Now, there are going to be still plenty of reasons to choose one or the other. There's some, there's some things that will run very well in a tablet, on a phone, or even on the watch um, that simply have no place on the desktop and vice versa. But there, are, there is going to be an expanding subset of applications that will, that will work in both environments, perhaps not the same full degree of functionality, but will still be useful there. And so this will this will make it easier to expand the range of apps that can that can work across that divide. Well, thank you so much, Sardar. This is all really exciting, and I think it's exciting across the board, if not in some ways particularly challenging for the developer community. But this is, I think, something that we're going to be talking about for much, much longer. So if any of our viewers have any questions, comments, please be sure to leave them below, and I'll get back to you, or I'll get back to you on Sardar's behalf. Thank you so much, Sardar. Thanks again. And thank you all so much for watching this episode of Today in Tech. If you liked this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel and hit the bell icon so you're notified every single time we post a new video. Like I said, leave a comment if you've got any questions or comments, even predictions. Or if you are a software developer, I want to hear what challenges you've been facing or maybe it's been a walk in the park. So good for you. <laughs> Let me know in the comments below. Thanks again for watching and I'll see you next time.